You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. All right, so let, let's jump into Acts. So let's, this is where we left off last week. I'm going to read a long verse to you, Acts 2, uh, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and those who are far off, and for all them whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with the all, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Oh, yeah. They sold property and possessions they gave to anyone who had a need. Every day they met together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Wow, man, isn't that cool? So that's where we left off. Okay, so, so the disciples have received power. The Spirit has descended. Uh, they had this moment with, with tongues of fire. Uh, what was m- one temple has become many temples. Uh, there's amazing. God has restored the nation of Israel. 3,000 Israelites have come to Jesus that day. Uh, the church is rising. As my daughter would say, God is on the moose. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king. I mean, this is the day, right? Everything is happening. This is, I can guarantee you, on this day, no one went to the cafe and said, let's look for some other churches. No one left that church service and said, I didn't get anything out of it. I mean, the, the church had risen from what looked like defeat, 3,000, the spirit. I mean, this, whoo, man. And it was his first sermon. Peter had only preached one sermon. And go back and read it. It's not a good one. It's not even a good sermon. In my Bible, it's in all caps. Like, was he screaming at them the whole time? It's in all caps. He preached one sermon. And this is what happened. After my first sermon, people thought my brother was crazy. They were like, what? Uh-uh. Surely, surely he's not going to stick around and be our pastor. It's his first sermon, and the world is going nuts. And in his sermon, there's no mention of how Jesus is going to restore you. There's no mention of how Jesus is going to make your life better. There's no mention of, of how Jesus is going to fix your marriage or repair your family. There's no mention of anything that Jesus is going to do for you in his first sermon. The only thing he says about Jesus is he died, he's resurrected, repent and come back to him. And I'm like, that actually worked? Like, that worked? That was your sermon? It's crazy, man. And then, and then, you, I want you guys to go back and read this too. Go back and study this part of Acts. Then they walk outside, and Peter and John are going to this temple, and they're at a gate called Beautiful. Y'all, have y'all read this part of some of you? All right, so they're at a gate called Beautiful, and they encounter a, what the Bible calls a lame beggar, which I think is probably not a PC term. So let's call him a financially challenged street vendor. So... <laughs> There's a financially challenged street vendor out there, and he's asking for stuff, you know. And Peter, you know what they do? They stop, and they heal this man. And the dude gets up and walks again. I mean, can you, can you imagine the energy that's around the church at this point in time? Wow, what an amazing time to be alive. 
The church is just, everything is going good. It's Easter Sunday. This is a party, right? This is a move. What could possibly go wrong? Surely nothing, right? When the church is on, on the high, when you're on that spiritual high, when you're on the mountaintop, there's nowhere to go but up, right? Let's see what happens here. Let's read Peter's second sermon. This is actually what happens right after Peter's second sermon. Acts 3.12. When Peter saw this, because the crowd's going nuts, he says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be released. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this. Now we're going to skip down to verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. There's a time of refreshing coming from the Lord. So the crowd is going nuts. People are being healed. 3,000 people have come to Christ that day. And they're probably just counting the men. No offense, it's the way they did it. And so it's probably, I don't even know, right? There's no way to know what, what that would be if you added times two. It's just a bunch of people are in the mix, right? And so, again, top of the world, right? Ah, oh. Acts 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening, and they put them in jail. What? How, you, no, you don't understand. It's going well. I mean, they're, they're on the mountaintop. The first sermon led them to the mountaintop. The second sermon led them to prison. Like, this is how I feel the Sunday after Easter. It's like, <laughs> you're on top of the world, and you come back, and you're like, oh, where did I go? This is, this is amazing. And so I, I, think, I think Luke wants us to see something here. I think Luke is drawing something out for us. I think God is speaking through Luke, the author of Acts, to draw out a truth for us, and it's this. And I think for the church that is focused, you should expect threats and friction. I think that's what Luke is drawing out for us. For the church that is focused, you should expect threats and friction. But for the church that is focused, frictions and threats won't destroy the church. I think, that's, I think that's what we're going to see from Luke right here. Because it doesn't even, I mean, the, it's, it's not a good sermon. There's, there's no lights, right? There's no band. Uh, there's no children's program. There's no greeter. There's no donuts, which you guys will get after the service. We did that on purpose so that you had to stay the whole time. <laughs> you, you won't get donuts till afterwards. But like, and listen, I think all those things are valuable. The band and, 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 the, and the pastor who actually wrote a message didn't just stand up and read the Old Testament and tell everybody to repent. Uh, the greeters and the kids. and all, I think all these things are valuable. But they didn't have any of these things. And the church was absolutely going nuts. And then what happens? Persecution. Threats. Friction. There's a conversation at one point between, uh, it's between Peter and Jesus. And Matthew writes about it. And Peter's walking with Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. And then Jesus says, and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Do any of y'all grew up in church remember this conversation? The gates of hell won't prevail against my church. And I think that's true. I think that's true for the church that is focused. 
For the church that is focused, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But for the church that gets distracted by the wrong things, the gates of hell can take the day off because mask and rain will destroy it. This is true for the church that gets distracted, for the church where somebody or something or something, where that becomes the main thing, the gates of hell can just sit back and watch because it'll destroy itself. And this is what happens. All this stuff we have is good. But if this stuff becomes your idol, if this stuff is why you're showing up, then we're all in a pickle. We must remain focused because the threats will come and the friction will come. And guys, we have to stay focused on the things that matter. And for the church to stay focused, what must happen is you must stay focused. You are the church. And we've seen this and you've seen this and we know there's a humanity in us. If we're just showing up for the mountaintop, if we're just serving in ways where people can see us, if we're just doing the things that, that we think get us notoriety or, or if we're just kind of playing, if we're just going through the motions, then when the threats and friction comes, you will be devoured. When the wind and the waves come, a house that's built on a foundation that's not focused will always fail. And you know why I know this? Because my foundation has failed many times in my life because I was focused on the wrong things. This is life for us. And that's why I believe it's so cool that in Acts chapter 4, Luke goes back to the basics. The exact same thing he says in Acts chapter 6. So what, what's happening, right? The church is risen. It's amazing. Now there's threats and persecution. Eventually Stephen's going to die. He's one of the leaders of the church. There's all these things going on that are coming against the church. And so Luke takes us back to Acts chapter 2, but he says it again in chapter 4, and he says it like this. This is uh, chapter 4, verse 32, I think. It said, all the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. <laughs> Barnabas, you son of encouragement. <laughs> That's funny. They sold a field. He sold a field, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so we're, 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 they take us back to the basics because the church is experiencing persecution. So he goes back and says, listen, 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 listen. Remember, remember. I know you're getting big. I know there's a lot of action. I know there's a lot of activity. I know you're kind of getting famous. I know there's some things going on. Now I want, you to, I want you to pause. Just love each other. Stay focused. Stay focused. Don't, no, don't, don't buy into the hype. Just begin to share what you have. Take care of each other. Just love people. Tell, tell them about Jesus. Live a life that demonstrates the gospel. I know, I, know, I know you were on the mountaintop, and I know it was easy, and ah, yeah, and oh, yes. But for the church that's doing something, there will be deep valleys. And in those valleys, we must focus on what's important. Prayer and love. Long obedience. Long obedience over time. Feelings will fade. Am I right? Feelings will fade. 
you got to have something deeper. Anchored in an obedience that's firm and focused. And that's why they bring us back. And he says, Barnabas, you know, Barnabas, that son of encouragement, Barnabas. This guy is named in the Bible, and it's not because of the size of the gift. I don't think that matters. I think we're naming Barnabas because Barnabas is living this thing out. He's encouraging other people. He's fully engaged. In Barnabas' world, it seems that he believes that the body is more important than his body, that the group is more important than himself. He has elevated the needs of the kingdom over the needs of Barnabas, and because of that, he is called out as a special example. That's cool, man. And one of the coolest things about this, guys, again, I hope, I hope you're reading this. That's why we're doing this series. What I'm giving you is an appetizer. The meal is in there, all right? But I hope you're reading this because what you'll see is it wasn't mandatory. You haven't seen, uh, you know, Paul or Peter or any of these guys stand up and say, hey, listen, if you're going to be part of this church, everybody needs to bring 40%. All right, everybody bring 40%. We're going to check your, uh, we're going to check your, what are, you, those, what are the little things you get from the tax guy? We were going to check your W-2s. You don't see that, do you? We're checking everybody's W-2s at the door. You don't see that. You don't see them saying, hey, ho, there's not bouncers outside going, all right, before you get in, let's make sure you're really bringing everything. It's not mandatory. It's miraculous because it is a movement of the Spirit where people want to do this. They're not being coerced by eloquent words. It's a terrible sermon. It is. I mean, it, it's not good sermon. You just read the Old Testament and then says, all right, now, repent. You all left that church and came here. <laughs> right? It's not good sermons. But, but, the, but this is what he's saying. And people are doing it. There is something miraculous going on inside the hearts of people who have allowed the Holy Spirit to transform their hearts. It doesn't have to be mandatory. They don't have to make it happen. You don't have to see the same sermon about giving and taking care of each other. And start, they're just doing it because they want to, because it's who they are, because they believe they're part of something greater. And it's, it's beautiful. And they stayed focused on the things that matter. They stayed focused on Christ. They're focused on loving each other, focused on taking care of each other. And it's beyond their political party and it's beyond uh, their, 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 you know, whatever things have separated them in the outside world. They've laid them down to elevate this little movement of God in the world above everything else. And then there's another couple people talked about in Acts chapter 5. And this one's tough, guys. If you've read Acts chapter 5, if not, I recommend you read it. Just take my word for it. I might make it up. But like, go read it. Acts 5. Listen to this. Think we're, yeah, I think this starts in chapter 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, they're always blaming each other. She knew. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for that land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such things? You've not lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down dead. A great fear seized all who heard what had happened. I bet it did. I bet it did. Okay. 
before you before you you do the little thing where you put your guard up because you think I'm fixing to talk about money because I'm not. This, I don't think this has anything to do with that. I think this has to do with two people who lied about what was really going on in their hearts. I think they. I think what happens. I think and I think this this is one of the greatest threats the church will face. And this is one of the greatest frictions the church will face. And if we don't remain focused, we will all become victim of this threat right here. And I think it's so insidious and so detrimental to the church that God wants to call out an example of it. And he's calling it out right here. And what it is is this. People who just want to show up and play church and what they never really want to do is focus their life around the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And I think that's what Luke is drawing out here. It's not, God, you would be better off There are people in this church, I want you, I respect you so much because you'll say, I'm just not into it. I'm not feeling it. I don't even think I believe it. I almost think that's healthier than just walking around wearing this mask, pretending like everything is all right in your world, wearing the gray shirt with nothing in you really representing what Christ did in this world. It would be healthier to just say, man, I'm mad and I'm not feeling good and I'm not going to wear this mask today. And this is where I'm at. Y'all can deal with me or kick me out. I'm not so sure that's not better than I'm fine, you're fine, we're all fine, we're all fine, we're all fine, 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 fine. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was that they just wanted to play like they were doing something without actually allowing their heart to be fully engaged. I've been there. So have you. We've been there. You're just going through the motions, right? Maybe you're even, hey, you got, you know, but then you leave this place and your heart's not in it. There's no real submission of life. There's no real repentance of sin. This is almost an excuse to coddle sin, right? Because because God loves me so much I can do whatever I want. That's, that's That's not the kingdom. That's not what this was designed to be. This was designed to be people being transformed and moving and changing. It's not to be an actual movement of our heart. And, and th- this has got to at some point. And, and if you're here because you want to see the show, I mean, keep coming back. Keep coming back because, I mean, it's, it's good. Keep coming back. But I pray there comes a day in your life when you're here for more than the show. I pray there comes a day in your life when, when if the show doesn't happen, there's still movement in your life. And if you're here so someone will see you, you're here because someone's just making you, because you just, you know, this is what your parents said, it's what you do, you just think you're supposed to be doing it. Man, keep coming back, but I pray there's a time in your life when your life actually becomes centered around the rule and reign of Christ. If you're here for any reason other than, other than a focus on the king of the universe, I pray that that changes in you at some point. Because otherwise, otherwise I, I think we see where it ends. If you're here just... For no reason, and there's never a movement in you. If you're here just for what you can get out of, and there's never a movement, I think the result of that is death. The death of your connection with people, the death of a God-given plan for your life, the death of a church. I think we've seen what happens when churches lose focus. I think we've seen what happens when the focus becomes a person or, or, or a musician or a, a program. I think we've seen what happens when the focus becomes lights. I think sometimes Jesus gets lost in the shadow. And so the invitation today, and I believe what Luke is drawing out is this. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? 
Are you doing the daily things necessary to maintain a walk with God? Do you have people in your life who know the truth about you? I say this all the time, and everyone doesn't need to know the truth about you. As a matter of fact, don't. <laughs> don't. Don't tell everyone. But someone does. Someone needs to know the truth about you. Someone who loves Jesus just a little more than they love you. They need to know the truth about you. They need to know what you're struggling with. They need to know what you're going through. Somebody needs to know. Is there real movement and real focus? And if not, I think the difference in what we have today, and there wasn't a lot of grace shown for Ananias and Sapphira, but I think God offers us another chance today. A chance to come to the altar. A chance to turn. A chance to repent. And your decision to turn and repent shouldn't be based on the quality of my message. Because it's never been that way. It was based on authentic movements of the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way inside people who had surrendered their hearts to God. And so I pray today your hearts are open. I pray today that we're not playing church. Threats will come. Friction will come. But the church that remains focused, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.